This morning, uh, I am excited. I love the Word of God. How I many know one word from God can change your life? I mean, one word. That's all you need. You don't need the entire Bible, even though you need to read the entire Bible. But one word, right, from God will change your life. And so if you've got your Bibles this morning, look with me in Mark chapter 1, or you can follow along on the screen. If you don't have our Liberty Church app, you can get all the notes and all the scriptures with all the answers filled in the blanks emailed to you there on the app. So it's a great resource if you do not have that. Mark chapter 1 starting in verse 14, and we're going to read verse 15. The Bible says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Preaching the gospel. The word gospel means good news. Preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus did not come just preaching a gospel of salvation. He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, we have salvation. In the kingdom of God, we have healing. In the kingdom of God, we have deliverance. In the kingdom of God, we have breakthrough. In the kingdom of God, we have everything that we need. Come on, church. To live the life that God has called us to live. And Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. You ought to do a little Bible search on the phrase kingdom of God because you will be surprised how many points of reference in Scripture are made to the kingdom of God and really what we've been called into, right? We all know John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And we use that Scripture all the time we talk about the importance of being born again but when you read the context of that scripture you know what the Bible says we're being born again to we're being born again into the kingdom of God we're being born again so we can enter the kingdom we're being born again so we can see the kingdom of God and so we are celebrating the fact today that we have been introduced through Jesus Christ to the kingdom of God and he goes on in that next verse and look what he says he says, and the time is fulfilled. Now is the time, in other words. And the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. We're not waiting on another day. We're not waiting on another moment. Now is the time. Today is the day. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So look at that first point this morning. Just a revisit of what we're kind of going to talk about through this summer series over the next few weeks. What is a kingdom culture? It is a culture defined by the kingdom of God. It is a culture that says we are who God says we are. How many of y'all know that today? You are who God says you are. Right? You're the head, not the tail, the top, not the bottom, the first and not the last. Whatever you do will prosper and you'll have good success, right? Because you are the head and not the tail. You are a child of God. And you have what God says you have and you are who God says you are. You are his child. You're an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, right? You are the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus, right? You are his son and his daughter. That's pretty powerful. You are who he says you are. You have what he says you have. You have his provision, his grace, his mercy, his wisdom. The Bible says that Christ was made unto us the wisdom of God and that Christ was made unto us the power of God so that through Christ Jesus we have access now to everything that God has made available to us. And so I give to you, Jesus said, the keys of the kingdom because we have what he says we have. And we can do what he said we can do. Amen? We can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, right? We can speak to the mountain, and the mountains will be removed. Why? Because we are who he says we are. We have what he says we have, and we can do what he said we can do. That's a kingdom culture. It's a mentality. It's a mindset. It's a realization that we are who God says we are. Look at the rest of that statement. 
A kingdom culture is a language, values, beliefs, and standards that align with God and His kingdom. There's a kingdom language. The language of the kingdom is a language of faith. Let me say that again. The language of the kingdom is a language of faith. God calls those things that are not as though they were. God looks at the darkness. You remember Genesis chapter 1? The Bible says darkness covered the face of the earth, and God looked at the darkness. And you know what God said? Let there be he calls those things that were not as though they Where there was chaos, he brought order. Where there was darkness, he brought light. Where there was death, he brings life. Where there's sickness, he brings healing. Where there's chaos, he brings peace. Where there's oppression and depression, he brings joy and life and laughter. He calls those things that are not as though they were. Because the language of the kingdom is a language of faith. It's not gloom, doom, and despair. I shared this at 8 o'clock, and I said, I, I don't know if any of our 930 people know it. Maybe we got some older folks in the house here today. Anybody remember Hee Haw? Man, y'all are older than I thought. Where's all the young people in here? How many of you don't remember Hee Haw? Praise God for you guys. Amen. Y'all remember my favorite part? I did not like watching Hee Haw with my parents when we were growing up, but we had one TV, and that's what you watched, whatever daddy wanted to watch. Y'all remember those days? One TV, you watch whatever daddy wanted to watch. And so we were watching Hee Haw, and they always had that spot where those two guys are standing there with their little pitchforks, and they're saying, gloom, despair, agony on me. And then they look at each other and go, and spit on one another. <laughs> Won't you look at your neighbor and spit? No, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> gloom, despair, and agony on me. That's not the language of the kingdom. That's not the language of the kingdom. The language of the kingdom is, is a language of life. It's a language of peace. It's a language of joy. It's a language of faith that decrees and declares what God says. It's a language that echoes the voice of the Father. Amen? You know, you know what Jesus said? He said crazy stuff, but this is one of the things he said that I love. He said, I don't say anything that I haven't heard the Father say. And you ought not be saying anything Jesus doesn't say. Any word that comes out of your mouth that contradicts the Word of God and the life and character of Jesus Christ is a word that's not of the kingdom of God. And if it's not of the kingdom of God, it's of the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness. And if it doesn't bring life, it will automatically bring death. And so we recognize there's a language in the kingdom. There are values in the kingdom. How many know that, that the kingdom of God values life? The kingdom of God values all life. The kingdom of God values unborn life. The kingdom of God values elderly life. We, we live in a culture and a world today where unborn life no longer is valued and where elderly life is no longer valued. Now we're telling people you're living too long and you're not living the kind of life we think you ought to live. You ought not be here no more. But the value of the kingdom is a value of life. God values life. Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in His sight. Young and old, unborn and elderly, God values life. There's values in the kingdom. And when you begin to value something that's contradictory to the values of God, you enter into a kingdom that brings death and not life. We made the statement last week. We said that, that the kingdom you align with is a kingdom that you will operate in. And you've got to align yourself with the kingdom of God. And part of that is the language of the kingdom. And then it's the values of the kingdom. And then there's the beliefs of the kingdom. How do you know that the, the belief system of the kingdom of God, a godly belief system, a kingdom belief system, says God is good all the time. And all the time... Right? God is good when you have a heart attack. God's good when your five-month-old grandson gets diagnosed with botulism and his organs begin to shut down. God's good. 
God's good when everything's going your way, and God's good when nothing's going your way. God's good in the midst of your highest moments, and God's good in the midst of your lowest moments. God's good in life, and God is even good when you face death. See, that's the belief system of the kingdom. That God is good. You gotta believe the truth. You gotta let God be God. You can't define God by a culture. You gotta define God by a kingdom culture that lines up with the word and truth and life of Jesus Christ. And then there's a standard of the kingdom. The standard of the kingdom is there's a standard of righteousness. How many know there's a right and there's a wrong? How many know there's a male and there's a female? There's a kingdom standard. There's a standard defined by the kingdom of God that establishes life. And here's here's the revelation. Anytime you and I come into agreement and alignment with a language, with a value, with a belief, and with a standard that contradicts the kingdom of God, then we end up operating the kingdom of darkness. And the fruit of darkness is death. The Bible says when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. That's the tricky part because because when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. See, the tricky part of sin is it starts with fun and pleasure. And there's a season of seemingly life. Right? Do you you remember your B.C. days? You remember when, when the party started, boy, it was fun. And you were like, I'm living the life until it was no longer life. And what was life became death because when sin is full grown, it produces death. See, there's a season of deception in sin where you're enticed by the pleasure of sin, where you're enticed by the lure of sin, where you're enticed by the wealth and even the riches that sin can bring into your life. But it always ends in death. Always. Even if you die physically wealthy and seemingly happy without Christ in the kingdom of darkness, you're going to spend eternity in a place called hell. The end of sin is always death. And so we're going to spend the the next couple months really diving in and drilling down into this concept of what does it mean for me and you to really live and cultivate a kingdom culture. A kingdom culture that embraces the language, the values, the beliefs, and the standard of God's kingdom above everything else. Look with me in Luke 17, verse 20 and 21. It says, Now when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, See here or see there. For indeed the kingdom of God is what? Within you. The kingdom of God is within you. Look at that next point on your outline. So we want to begin today talking about four expressions of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is internal. We're going to talk about that. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to unpackage that thought today. What does it mean? What does that look like? How does that play out in my life and in your life for the kingdom of God to be within me, to be internal? But not only is the kingdom of God internal, the kingdom of God is spiritual. Let me just be honest, I'm probably as excited about that message here in a couple weeks as I've been in a long time, and I'm pretty excited this morning, but I'm really excited about understanding what does it mean for the kingdom of God to be spiritual. Because how many of you know there is a spirit realm that through the kingdom of God we can enter into and we have access and dominion and authority over the principalities and the powers of this world and we have access into the heavenly courts of heaven where we can enter boldly, the Bible says, 
into the very presence of God. And then the kingdom of God is physical. What do I mean by that? There is a, there is a visible manifestation of the kingdom of God. The internal spiritual kingdom produces a physical manifestation. And one day, there will actually be the kingdom of God will come, right? There will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. And the kingdom of God will be among the kingdom of men. And all of a sudden, there will be an eternal kingdom, which will be the last thing we'll talk about, which is a kingdom that never, ever that, that next little statement ties into that last point about God's kingdom being eternal. Think about this little phrase right here. The kingdom of God is an all-consuming fire that will not stop until our entire world is redeemed. See, there's coming a day of redemption where heaven and earth will be redeemed. The Bible says the earth the literal earth groans and travails for the manifestation of the sons of God and the coming of God's kingdom in which the curse will be broken and all things will be made new. And God's kingdom is eternal and it is an all-consuming fire. And we're going to understand what that means a little more as we dive into this. Look at me in Romans 14. Romans 14 verse 17 and 18. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. He who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. You know what's exciting about the kingdom? When we begin to operate in the kingdom of God, number one, it says when we serve God in righteousness, peace, and joy, which is the kingdom he describes here, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When we serve God out of righteousness, peace, and joy, we are acceptable, pleasing to the Father. Because that means we're living in a place of faith and obedience and alignment with God's kingdom. And then he says we are acceptable to men. That's an interesting thought because let me tell you the power of the kingdom. The power of the kingdom is that when you begin to live what you say you believe, even when the world disagrees with you, they'll still respect you. Let me just tell you a little something funny. A couple of months ago, uh, we got turned on to uh, Survivor, the TV show. So we started, praise God, with all, you know, Netflix, Hulu, all that good stuff. We started watching from the beginning. And so me and Kelly, we have some little free time in the evening. We're watching some good old Survivor on TV. And what's crazy about that show, I don't love it, but what's crazy about it is, how many of y'all have seen the show Survivor? All right, I'm not encouraging you to watch it, so if you didn't watch it, that's wonderful. But anyway, so uh, the people that get voted out, they form what they call the jury. And then the people that get voted out get to elect the winner that's going to win a million dollars. So the people that you put out of the game gets to vote you in to be the winner of the game. And so it's kind of a crazy scenario. But what you hear over and over again, which is interesting, is those people on the jury, they'll say, you know what, I didn't like him, and I didn't like her, and I didn't like how they played the game, and they stabbed me in the back, and they did this. But then they'll always say something like this, but I respected their gameplay. I didn't like them, but I had to respect the fact that they played the game. And let me tell you what will happen when the church begins to be the church. When we begin to operate in the kingdom of God, the world may not bow down and applaud us, but they'll respect the fact that you say what you say and you live what you say and your life is a reflection of God's kingdom. They may not applaud it, but they will respect the fact 
that you are who you say you are, right? We all understand. I just saw an updated survey that the number one reason keeping people from coming to church is hypocrisy. So we all know that to be true, right? We all hate it, right? I hate it. You hate it. We all hate it. I can't stand to see somebody confess Christ and live like the devil. It breaks my heart. But the flip side of that coin is, is that when we confess Christ and then live Christ, the world respects it. And they may not applaud it, and they may not even agree with it, and they may not convert to it, but they respect the fact that you are who you say you are. And that's powerful. Because how many of you know that Christianity ought to make a distinguishable difference in our lives? When you're operating the kingdom, there ought to be something different. There ought to be a distinguishable difference about how you live your life, how you handle adversity, how you handle problems, how you handle difficulties, how you handle money, how you treat people, how you treat your family, how you treat your coworkers. There ought to be a distinguishable difference about how you live your life because the kingdom of God is within you. And you're not like the world. You've been plucked up out of the world even though we live in the world. Amen? And that's the glory of the kingdom. So look at that next point. So the kingdom of God is internal. We have received his presence and his power. If you're born again, then you're in the kingdom of God. If you're born again, then you've received the indwelling, empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. His presence and his power distinguishes you. And his kingdom has come, right? If you're not born again into the kingdom of God, then you're still living under the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of this world. And if you're not born again in the kingdom of God and headed to heaven, then you're in the kingdom of darkness headed to hell. And there's no middle ground and there's no neutral ground and there's no limbo. And you need to understand that, right? Everybody watching today needs to understand there's one way that leads to heaven and there's every way. Broad is the path, Jesus said, that leads to destruction. Every other path but Jesus. Every other path but Jesus leads to hell. One path leads to heaven. So we've received his presence and his power. And the kingdom of God is not external rules and regulations. Paul was speaking here in Romans. He says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not eating and drinking. What was he talking about? He was speaking to, to Jewish believers. Think about this. Jewish believers who had been raised under an Old Testament law. And they had been raised under the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, this is what God was doing. God was foreshadowing in the old what he was going to do in the new. He was giving us a taste of what was to come. And he was setting a standard of what was going to be manifested in a whole new way through Jesus Christ. So under the Old Testament law, when you read the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament, it was don't eat this, don't drink this, don't touch this. If you touch this, you're unclean for three days. you got to bathe, shave your head, and hang outside the camp for everybody. I mean, it's crazy. I'm like, thank God for Jesus. I mean, really? I mean, you read, the, you read the Levitical law, and you're like, thank the Lord for Jesus. Can somebody say, praise God for pulled pork barbecue? <laughs> Woo! Old Testament, that'd be, don't eat that. You're like, oh, man, you're killing me, Jesus. Come on. But what he was doing, he was painting a picture. He was foreshadowing that there was going to be a distinct difference about the Jews. There was something different about them. They didn't walk like, talk like, and act like everybody else. But under the Old Testament, it was external rules. It was external rules and regulations that governed their behavior. But in the New Covenant, 
In the new covenant through Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not rules and regulations. It is now the Holy Spirit ruling and reigning in our hearts, producing righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so all of a sudden, I don't, I'm no longer bound by external rules because I now have the internal reign of the Spirit of God in me. He rules and reigns in my heart. And now I'm not governed by don't touch, don't eat, don't do this, don't do that. Now I'm governed by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit who checks and guides and governs and rules and reigns in my heart. And all of a sudden he produces righteousness. The word righteousness, of course, means to be in right standing with God. It also means to do what is right or pleasing in the eyes of God. You know what I know about born-again believers, real Christians? If you're a born-again Christian, you know what I know about you? You really want to please God. You have a genuine desire in your heart to please the Lord. Doesn't mean you always do it or I always do it perfectly because we don't. We have, to, we have to repent. We have to believe. We have to get up. We have to start over sometimes. But the realization is that when you get born again and the Spirit of God begins to reign and rule in your heart, there's a genuine desire to please God. There's a genuine desire to do what is right in the eyes of God. And when I meet somebody that confesses to be a Christian, but they have no desire to please God, I question their Christianity. Now, I'm not God, and they're not going to answer to me, but it makes me step back and say, huh. <laughs> you say you're a Christian, but you don't have a desire to please God. You say you're a Christian, but you don't have this passion to do what pleases the Lord. And so we recognize that no longer are we ruled. The kingdom of God is not rules and regulations. The kingdom of God is the ruling and reigning of our hearts through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit who produces righteousness and peace, peace with God and the peace of God, which is powerful. And the joy of the Lord, the Bible says, which is our strength. How many know, according to that scripture, Christians ought to have peace and joy and do what's right in the eyes of God. So the challenge is, if I don't have peace and joy and I'm not doing what's right in the eyes of God, what kingdom am I operating in? If I'm constantly filled with fear and worry and anxiety, if I'm constantly stressed and frustrated and disgusted about everything going on in my life, I understand life is frustrating and life is challenging and life is difficult and life is, let's just be as honest as we, it is overwhelmingly hard and it's not fair. But there is a peace, and there is a joy, and there is a righteousness that comes through the empowering and reigning of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it is a gift that we're going to see today. It's a gift that God gives us. See, the scripture says this, and I'm, I'm going to get ahead. This will be one of the last scriptures we'll read, but I'm going to go ahead and share it with you because I just can't wait. It's that good. The Bible says, speaking of the fruit of the Spirit, and the works of God's Spirit in our lives, it says, and against such there is no law. There's no law against these things. There's no law against righteousness, peace, and joy. A couple ideas about that. I want, I want to give you two thoughts on that. Number one, the, the first realization is to understand that there's, 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 there's no law. You cannot legislate. Let me say it like this. You cannot legislate righteousness, peace, and joy. 
You can't legislate love, joy, and peace. What do I mean by that? You can set external boundaries, right? We can pass laws that say don't steal this, don't do this, don't touch this, don't go there, don't say that, don't do this. If you drive this fast, we're going to give you a ticket, right? We can pass all those kind of laws. But guess what? All the external restraints in the world do not have the power to create love, joy, and peace on the inside. You can't legislate the fruit of the Spirit. You can't legislate a heart that wants to please God. I shared last week many people, testimonies I've heard over and over from people coming out of addiction. They said, Pastor Keith, when I was in jail locked up for doing all the wrong things, the only thing I did in jail was think about how I could do what I'd been doing, except this time I didn't want to get caught. You know why? Because we can create behavioral modification. But only the Holy Spirit can bring heart transformation. That gives somebody a heart that wants to please God. That gives somebody a heart that wants to please God. And if you're here today, let me just go ahead and drop this on you. If you're here today and your Christianity is a burden that you bear because you're constantly struggling not to do this and not to do that. And I don't want to say not, 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 not. And there's no joy and there's no peace and there's no power within. If your Christian life is lived from external restraints... We call it willpower. And you, you can do a lot with willpower. Right? You, you can do a whole lot with willpower. But you know what you can't do with willpower? You can't save yourself. You can't redeem yourself. And you can't enter the kingdom of God just by your will. We are saved by His grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And if your Christian life is made up of willpower instead of God's power, Man, today I, I want to challenge you. I, I want to challenge you just to, just to kind of maybe draw back so you can dial in on what God is really saying to you today. See, I believe there are a lot of professing Christians that aren't Christians. I believe there are a lot of people that pray to prayer and they go to church, but their Christianity is rules and religion instead of the ruling and reigning of the Holy Spirit in their heart. And one of the ways you pick up on that is you pick up on Christians that talk about how hard it is to be a Christian. Well, Pastor, it's just so hard, man. It's just so hard. You know, doing the right things is just so hard. It's just so hard, man. Loving my wife. Have you seen my wife? I mean, you say, come on, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, people I work with, people love your enemies. You say, I mean, the people I work with, I mean, it's so hard. It's hard, it's hard to love people, it's hard to do the right thing, it's hard to walk in free, it's hard, it's hard. And when you describe your Christian life by how hard and how difficult it is just to do the right thing, you got to ask yourself the question, am I operating out of an external kingdom of rules and regulations or have I received the indwelling kingdom? That gives me power and grace to do what God's called me to do. I'm not saying temptation and life is still not hard. I'm just saying getting up for me. The easiest thing for me to do is to do the right thing. I want to do it. I don't always do it. But I want to do it. I want to love people. I care about people. I want to serve people. I want to bless people. I want to help people. I want to come along beside people. Not because I'm a good person. I'm not. But there's a kingdom in me. That wasn't in me when I was 15 years old. But when I got born again, all of a sudden the kingdom of God came in my life and God deposited something. See, here's the good news of the gospel. What you can't legislate, God can impart. 
You can't legislate righteousness, peace, and joy. But God can impart righteousness, peace, and joy into your heart and into your life. And you can walk out of here today with a new want to and a new heart and a new desire because all of a sudden the kingdom of God is not around you. The kingdom of God is within you. And that's good news. Because the commandments of the Lord, the Bible says, are not burdensome. It ought not be that hard to love Jesus and love people. He kind of boiled it down to that. I understand. Some people, a little more difficult. Let's just be honest. But it ought not be that hard. And I want to just challenge you right now just to think about your Christian life because if that's where you're at, then I want to encourage you to go to the Lord and say, God, am I really born again? And I'm not saying this to question our salvation. I'm saying this to liberate your soul from religious activity and bring you into the life-giving freedom of the kingdom of God. It, it is so wonderful to be in the kingdom. It's so wonderful. There, there's something in you that, that fuels and feeds your heart and your life. It's the kingdom of God manifested through the Holy Spirit. And it's good. Y'all still with me? Everybody okay? That was all free, praise the Lord. None of that's on your notes, but anyway. Holy Ghost, come on. Philippians 2.13, look at this scripture. It says in one sentence what I just spent 15 minutes talking about. Here we go. Should have read the Bible. Philippians 2.13, for God is working where? God is working in you, giving you the what? And the? To do what? Man, that's the good news of the gospel. That's the kingdom. God is working in you. And it says he's doing two things. He's giving you the desire to do what pleases him, right? The heart to please God. God gives you that. That's not from you. That's from him. So stop patting yourself on the back. How good of a person you're not. You're not really that good. Come on. I'll ask your spouse. She'll tell me. Uh, so he gives us the desire and if he were to stop there, that would be cruel. If God just gave us a desire to do what was right, but didn't give us the power to do what was right, that would be like giving you an appetite for food and then saying you can never eat. That would be cruel and unusual punishment. How many know God is not cruel? He's a good father. And so God gives us the desire to please him, and then he gives us the power to please him. I have the desire and the power to please God. So what does that mean? This is what it means. I want you to hear this. this is, I want to be very clear with this statement. And it's, it's kind of blunt and bold, but I want it to be blunt and bold. So listen to me today. So as a Christian, as a born-again believer, when a Christian lives in sin, they are not living in sin because they are powerless against sin. When a Christian lives in sin, they're living in sin because they are in rebellion against God. You're not a slave. You're a son and a daughter. And if you're living in habitual sin, it's not because you're powerless against sin. It's because you're in rebellion against God. Either that's true and the Bible's true or it's all a lie. But the Word of God says that God gives me the desire and the power to live a life that pleases Him. 
God gives me the desire and the power to live a life that honors him. God gives me the desire and the power to live a life of victory over sin. Doesn't mean I won't struggle. It doesn't mean I won't fall down. But it means I don't have to stay down. And when I go down, I'm not going down because I'm powerless. I'm going down because somewhere along the line, I got in agreement with the wrong kingdom. And I opened a door through my own rebellion and said yes to a lie of the enemy instead of saying yes to the truth of God's word. And so all of a sudden we begin to recognize how powerful this is, how good this is, that God has made us sons and daughters, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Now, Galatians 5, 16-18. Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what sinful nature desires. So, so we're, we're being drawn by desire. The Holy Spirit gives us a desire to do the thing that pleases God. The sinful nature, the carnal world, gives us desires according to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life that leads us away from God. So we're being confronted with these desires. I have a desire to please God or I have a desire to please self in sin. And I have these desires, and look what the Bible goes on to say. It says these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. He doesn't say you can't carry them out. He just says you're not free to. What does that mean? It means there's a battle. How many of you guys know there is a battle? There is a war, right, between, between the leading of the Holy Spirit into the kingdom and the lust of the flesh into the world. The world looks good, the world tastes good, the world smells good until it's no longer good. <laughs> for 20-something years, I've had a lot of people ask me, Pastor Keith, why did they say you had your heart attack? Well, for about 25 year, years, I was overweight, out of shape, and ate like a pig. There you go. I was overweight, I was out of shape, and I ate like a pig. I ate anything and everything I wanted. And the lust of the flesh brings death. And the lust of the flesh leads you away from God. And the lust of the flesh tasted good. Oh, did it taste good? Rice Krispie Treats. Ooh, man. And that second and that third helping tasted good, looked good, until one day it wasn't good. And every day, there's a desire. A desire from God that leads us into His kingdom, His power, His righteousness, His peace, His joy, and His life. And the desire of the flesh and the world system that wants to draw us away from God. And we get to choose. But here's the good news. We already got power in us. We have the power to make the right choice. We have the power to choose rightly. We have the power to say yes to the Holy Spirit and no to the flesh. And let me give you some good news. The key to victory over your flesh is not in how hard you can say no. The key to victory over your flesh is in how confident you can say yes to the Holy Spirit. That verse we just read, verse 16 said, If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the key to overcoming the flesh is simply by walking in the Spirit. 
And I've been given the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God within me. Look at verse 18. But if you're led by the Spirit, then you are not under the law. There's that verse again that we talked about. Let me make one statement. We're going to move on in a hurry. Why is, it, why is it significant that we yield to the Holy Spirit's leading? Why is it significant that we say yes to the ruling and reigning of the Holy Spirit within us? The kingdom of God that is within us. It's, it's significant because the kingdom that rules in you will be the kingdom that will flow through you. The kingdom that rules in you will be the kingdom that flows through you. And if you're ruled by righteousness, peace, and joy, you know what will come out of you? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Even in difficult times, even in challenging times, even in hard times. And again, doesn't mean we don't break down. Doesn't mean we don't have a good cry. Doesn't mean we don't shake our fist every now and then and get mad and beat the wall. But it just means the standard of our life is that I'm operating out of the kingdom of God. And out of righteousness, peace, and joy within me, it flows out of me. Now you flip the coin. If you're filled with fear, worry, and anxiety, you know what comes out of you? Fear, worry, and anxiety. If you're ruled by the lust of the flesh, you know what comes out of you? Perversion and corruption and unbelief. Let me just tell you, the biggest sin is the sin of unbelief. And all of a sudden, we believe the information of the world over the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we allow what the world says to speak louder into our life than what God says. And before you know it, we're living under the oppression of information instead of living under the revelation of Jesus Christ. And God is calling us. So the kingdom that reigns in me is a kingdom that reigns through me. And that's good for me because I want life to flow out of me. But it's also, listen to me, this is bigger than us. Because it's not, it's not just that the kingdom that reigns in me flows out of me, but now the kingdom that reigns in me reigns through me. Do you remember what Jesus said about the church? He said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Think about that statement. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. What are gates? Gates are not weapons of offense. Gates are weapons of defense. I don't charge an army with a gate. I set up a gate to protect my city. And you know what Jesus said about the church? He said the gates of hell will not prevail. Why? Because when the kingdom of God reigns in you, the kingdom of God reigns through you, and we're supposed to be charging the gates of hell. We're supposed to be charging the gates of hell. The dark, desperate places of this world need to be penetrated with the kingdom of God. And the gates of hell can't prevail. Why? Because the kingdom of God is within us. We have the desire and the power to please the Lord. Look at that next point. We've got two more points. I'm going to give them to you quickly. Somebody say it's a miracle. <laughs> the Holy Spirit empowers us to operate in the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit empowers us to put to death the sinful nature. We are free from the lusts and passions of this world. The kingdom of God within us gives us dominion and power over sin. We are no longer slaves. We are sons and daughters of God. Galatians 5, and 23 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there it is again. And against such there is no law. Look at that last point. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the kingdom. 
The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the kingdom of God. Jesus said you'll know a tree by its fruit because every kingdom produces fruit. And this is how we discern the will of God and the kingdom of God. How do we discern the will of God and the kingdom of God? By the fruit of the kingdom. What's the fruit of the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy. It is also love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and faith and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the kingdom. And where the Holy Spirit reigns and rules, guess what happens? Love and joy and peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness, temperance, all those things begin to manifest themselves. Why? Because that is the fruit of the Spirit at work in our life. And one of the easiest ways, I want you to hear me today, one of the easiest ways to discern God's will for your life is you've got to ask yourself, is this thing producing the fruit of the Spirit, which is the fruit of the kingdom, or is it producing the fruits of this world? Is it producing fear? Is it producing death? Is it producing worry? Is it producing anxiety? Is it producing stress? Because if it's producing the fruit of the world, then it's not the kingdom of God. And God's kingdom and God's will go hand in hand. You remember what Jesus taught us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because the kingdom where God rules and reigns manifests the will where God's pleasure is done. Did y'all see that? The kingdom where God rules and reigns manifests the will of God where his pleasure is done. And where God's kingdom is and God's will is, there you'll find righteousness, peace, and joy. And that's a beautiful thing. I want to say it again. We can't legislate love, joy, and peace. But the good news of the kingdom is that God can impart it. There's an impartation of his kingdom that comes through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And we, we, can, we can discern and know the will of God by the fruit of the kingdom. Jesus said you'll know every tree by its fruit. Just look at the world out there. This is June has been designated Pride Month, right? Look at, look at the fruit of homosexuality. Look at the fruit of the gay and lesbian agenda in our world today. It's not life. It's death. It's not blessing. It's cursing. It's, it's not self-control. It's self-gratification. It's not God's kind of love, which is sacrificial. It's self-centered love that gratifies self above all things. If it feels good, do it. That's the culture of the world. If it's right for you, then it's right, and everybody else can just go to heck with it. That's not the kingdom. That's not the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of this world. That's the kingdom of darkness that divides and destroys and ultimately annihilates the hearts and lives of people. It brings discord and chaos. And that's just one small segment right now that's being magnified. We got a cancel culture in our world. We got a, a culture of sexual immorality. We, we like to talk about homosexuality. What about fornication? What about sex outside of marriage? What about all the people that go to church on Sunday and then go out and sleep with their boyfriend and girlfriend on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday? What about adultery? What about pornography? All, all those things, guys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, hey, that all stuff, that's the kingdom of this world. That's not the kingdom of God. And you know, you know, every person in this room, if you've been around the block more than once, you know that none of that stuff really brings life. It has a promise of pleasure and sin for a season, but ultimately the good wears off and the party ends and death comes. But there's a kingdom. 
called the kingdom of God. And you can't earn it, you can't work for it, but by faith you can receive it. And you can be born again into the kingdom. So I want us just to bow our heads right now. I want our prayer team to go ahead and make their way to the altar. In just a minute, we're going to open the altar. And if you're here today and you're a Christian, you're a believer, and maybe the Holy Spirit's addressed some things in your life today. Maybe there's an area in your life that you just need to say yes to in a fresh way. Just a Holy Ghost yes. You need to say yes. Maybe there's an area that, hey, let's just be honest. We all struggle. I struggle. I'm not standing up here saying I don't have any struggles. I have more than my fair share. But I'm just telling you today, I have found out, and you know this to be true, the, the key to victory is that yes to the Holy Spirit. To let Him reign and rule in our hearts. And when He reigns and rules in our hearts, He reigns and rules through our lives. And His kingdom comes. And His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I just, I, I, there's an area in my life I just need to, to put a fresh yes to. I want to say yes, just a fresh Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you and you just want to say yes to the Lord in a fresh way, you want somebody to agree with you, you just go ahead and slip your way out. You can go ahead and come to the altar right now. Pastor Keith, I just want to say yes. I want somebody to agree with me today. There's an area in my life I just want to write a, a fresh yes on my heart to the Lord. Maybe there's an area of unbelief. I, I shared with you guys last week where, where I've been repenting. <laughs> And returning to the high place because the Lord showed me that I, I began to lower the standard. I began to move away from the fullness of what he said he wanted to do in our lives and in our church. And I had to return to that high place. I just had to write a fresh yes on my heart. Yes, Lord. Yes to what you're saying. Yes to what you're doing. And if that's you, you just slip out right now. We'd love to pray with you. Our prayer teams would come. We'd love to agree with you this morning for breakthrough and victory in any area of your life. So the altar's open. If you need prayer, you can come. And if you're here today, every head bowed, every eye closed for just another minute. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I've never been born again. I, I, maybe I've confessed to be a Christian, but I'm, I'm operating out of rules and regulations. I'm stressed out. My Christianity stresses me. It's a burden that I bear. It's so hard and it's so difficult. And maybe for the first time you realize you've been operating from external restraints instead of internal power. And today you say, Pastor Keith, I want to be born again. I want to repent of my sin and believe the gospel of the kingdom that I can live in victory and that God can give me authority and power on the inside, the desire and the power to please Him. So if that's you right now, just raise your hand. Just a simple act of faith. Today I want to be born again, Pastor Keith. I want to come out of external restraints. I want to enter in. I want to enter into the kingdom of God. I want the kingdom of God to be within me today. If you're watching online, you can... Hit that hand emoji. You can type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand. But we're about to pray. We're about to pray right now. If you've raised your hand this morning, I'm going to ask everybody in the room just to pray. The altar is open. If you need prayer, you just come right now. Our prayer teams would love to pray with you. Let's just pray this prayer out loud together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again and enter your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.